I saw a lot of good, good people break during these four years. I saw a lot more homeless people, more tents on the streets. Homa is an English teacher and artist in Tehran. She's lived there her whole life. She's built her dreams there. I'm 28 years old. I also write, but that's more of a passion rather than a career, at this point at least. And there have been difficulties in the past. Living under sanctions is hard, but she's never seen anything like the past four years. It's been horrible. And the mental impact it's had on people, that's not going to go away. And we don't feel the same way. We are not the same people as we were before the nuclear deal. Things were bad before the nuclear deal, but now they are horrible. This week is the closest Iran and the United States have come to returning to the nuclear deal, and the closest Iran's been to seeing an end to the latest round of U.S. sanctions. Sanctions that began with Donald Trump after he withdrew the U.S. from the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, or JCPOA. But how easy will this process be to restart? We've been disillusioned. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. We'll get back to Homa, and you'll hear some other voices from Iran about starting negotiations up again. But first, we want to update you with a breaking story. Right before publishing, this happened. U.S. President Joe Biden has ordered an airstrike in Syria targeting structures that belong to Iran-backed fighters. It's thought the strike targeted the Imam Ali military base near al-Bokamal. The Pentagon says it's in response to recent attacks against U.S. personnel in Iraq. The Pentagon says the strike was not meant to escalate hostilities with Iran. But now one person has died, and again, it follows a tense few days and a very tense four years. The time for the United States to come back to the nuclear agreement is not unlimited. Before the attack, we sat down with Maziar Mutamadi, Al Jazeera.com's correspondent based in Tehran, about the view from Iran. So how are things in Tehran these days? It's not great with the economy. It has stabilized a little bit, but we still have rampant inflation. So quality of life gradually gets worse. And with the pandemic, we're still very much dealing with it. Iran has developed two major vaccine candidates locally, but still it's too soon. And so far, we've received doses of the Sputnik V vaccine from Russia, Officials are trying to import a few million doses through COVAX, the World Health Organization's initiative, a million doses from China and potentially from India. But the main problem seems to be money transfer. And officials are now warning of a fourth wave if we're not careful. So when I last talked to you on the pod, it was before the U.S. election and the sentiment that you conveyed that people were feeling was a little bit hopeful. A Biden presidency could mean the lifting of sanctions, which then could mean good things for vaccines and good things for sending money, the things that you just mentioned. How are people feeling right now? Are they still hopeful? If there's optimism, it's cautious optimism. Mazia, you have a friend who you helped put us in touch with. She also lives in Tehran. She's 28. Hi, my name is Nilofer. 
She works in advertising. And she's setting out in her career. And she told us she is one of those people who's excited about getting rid of sanctions. But she's also skeptical. So I'm going to play a little bit of this. Iranian people have gone through this process several times in the last, I don't know, like four decades. I guess it is too soon for getting our hopes up. Everyone is waiting to see what Iranian and American governments are planning. So what goes through your mind when you hear her thoughts? As Nilufar said, we've been under sanctions one way or another for more than decades. So it's just a matter of degrees, I guess. So before we go through what happened this week, just a quick review on the 2015 Iran nuclear deal, the JCPOA. The Obama administration made history when it was signed. After two years of negotiations, the United States, together with our international partners, has achieved something that decades of animosity has not. A comprehensive long-term deal with Iran that will prevent it from obtaining a nuclear weapon. Iran has been under U.S. sanctions for most of the period since the Iranian Revolution in 1979. This agreement allowed the world to keep an eye on Iran's nuclear developments with regular inspections. And in exchange, there was the promise that gradually sanctions against Iran would lift and the country would be able to re-enter the global economy. That ended in 2018, when then-President Trump unilaterally withdrew the U.S., violating the agreement, and repeatedly slapping Iran with sanctions. There are sanctions, I think, that have had a tremendous impact. More sanctions are going on. We have a lot of tremendous support. And Iran is not the same country it was when I became president. Then there was an assassination. An American drone strike killed the country's most important military figure, General Qasem Soleimani. And another. Today, one of Iran's top nuclear scientists was assassinated. The assassination of an Iranian nuclear scientist at the end of last year, and that's when we last spoke to you. The Iranian parliament reacted by making a new law. Can you tell me about that law? Yes, in early December, the parliament, which is conservative and hardline, as opposed to a relatively moderate government of President Hassan Rouhani, passed this law that said that if the U.S. fails to lift all sanctions on Iran, then the government is obligated to take a number of measures. Iran's parliamentary speaker has ordered the implementation of a law that could stop, surprise UN inspections of its nuclear sites. The government has now two months before they have to implement this new law. And this all means that the U.S. will have a small window of opportunity to return to the nuclear agreement. But the reason for the law, Maziar says, was because, again, The United States, under Trump, backed out of the deal they agreed to. Yes. In 2018, Donald Trump unilaterally withdrew from Iran's nuclear deal and imposed sanctions on Iran. And they remain in place to this day, even after one month of the Biden presidency. And in response to that, Iran's government gradually scaled back some of its commitments. But this law signaled a huge step compared to what President Rouhani was doing before. Now it's February 2021. There's a new U.S. president, Joe Biden, who was a vice president at the time when this original deal was enacted and was signed. So now that he's president in the U.S., he has a promise to revive the nuclear talks with Iran. Everyone, everyone must play by the same rules. 
That's why we said we're prepared to re-engage in negotiations with the P5 plus one on Iran's nuclear program. Do you think that surprised people in Iran, that he didn't immediately lift the sanctions? I think some people hoped for that, but I don't believe that was a realistic hope. Biden was not going to just lift all of the sanctions at once, but he hasn't even lifted one sanction so far. He expects Iran to come back to full commitments first, and then he will lift sanctions. And at the same time, Iran says because the U.S. left the deal first, it has to come back to the deal first, and then Iran will reverse all of its steps. So it's a dilemma. And it's a dilemma that's had a big effect on Iranians, those in favor of the deal and those opposed to it. Homa, who you heard in the beginning, has good memories of the first nuclear deal being passed and would love to see it back again. I was excited. I thought that we were going to see new faces, new businesses around our community. People were more happy, so the energy was good. I felt good. I was hopeful. She says she saw new companies come in. There were job opportunities. Her friends got hired by new firms. So when the U.S. left the deal... I think I was deep down, I was hoping that they would come to some sort of an agreement... But coming back to the JCPOA, I wasn't hopeful. My name is Satara Sadeghi. I'm 35 years old and I'm a freelance researcher in Isfahan, Iran. Meanwhile, years of U.S. sanctions left Satare distrustful from the beginning. I'm not a big fan of the deal, but it was a step to some more mutual understanding, or it could be. But the U.S. behavior ruined everything. And her hopes for President Biden restarting negotiations have been muted. Well, with Biden in office, I was not very hopeful that things would change. I expected a different, maybe only a different rhetoric towards Iran. So what's been happening since Biden took office? Maziar says Iran started negotiation preparations fairly quickly. Iran proposed that the European Union could intervene and could help set up a step-by-step return to the nuclear deal. On the first day of February, Iran's foreign minister, Javad Zarif, told CNN that the EU's foreign affairs representative could play the key role. He can sort of choreograph the actions that are needed to be uh, taken by the United States and the actions that are needed to be taken by Iran. So... The European Union has offered to set up talks, not official negotiations, because Iran wouldn't agree to that, because Iran says that there is no five plus one right now. Five plus one refers to the five members of the UN Security Council, which includes the United States. So there is four plus one right now. But I guess there's a workaround to that because Iran says that it is considering an offer to come to talks with the U.S. as a guest, not as an official participant. So there's a plan in place, but the four countries still require Iran's nuclear sites to be inspected. And there is still that new law we talked about, giving a deadline for the International Atomic Energy Agency to conduct their inspections. Remember? The government has now two months before they have to implement this new law. And Sunday, February 21st, was the deadline. One week before the deadline, Iran had informed the IAEA that it 
was going to restrict inspection. So we knew that it was coming and we knew that it could be a significant roadblock to restoring the nuclear deal. But there was word that IAEA director Rafael Grossi would be arriving in Tehran the night before the deadline. The news of director Grossi's trip to Tehran offered a glimmer of hope. He met with Iran's nuclear chief and Iran's foreign minister. And Iran pushed back the deadline to Tuesday. But it wasn't clear what inspections, if any, Iran would allow at this point. How is this playing in Iran? What is Iran's parliament made of all of this? Yes, I think it's important to make a distinction between Iran's government and parliament in this case, because the government of President Rouhani is relatively moderate. The Iranian parliament is more conservative. After the government announced its deal with the IAEA, the parliament was very angry. MPs chose to have a meeting behind closed doors. And from that, they came up with a motion. The president must be handed over to the judiciary to be punished because he is doing something illegal. They're basically saying that Rouhani, with this agreement, is not honoring the law that they passed. It was tense and unclear if negotiations would start again. And the government and the Supreme National Security Council of Iran both said that this law is definitely being implemented. We're leaving the door open to potentially restore the deal if and when the U.S. lifts sanctions. They came to this agreement by making a small change in the process of Iran's nuclear inspections. Iran's atomic energy organization released a statement to clarify that Iran will continue to record and monitor all the data that the IAEA would require, but it would not hand out the tapes. The IAEA records tapes as part of the inspection process. And for three months, Iran will hold on to those tapes. And if all sanctions are lifted, it will hand on those tapes. So that's basically bought the nuclear deal three more months in which hopefully all sides can sit down at a table and talk about how they can restore the deal. And Maziar says all of the players say they're ready to talk. Yes, the U.S. is not officially in the nuclear deal now, but they have proposed unofficial talks that will include both Iran and the U.S., plus China and Russia, who are other signatories of the nuclear deal. And so far, Iran has said that it is considering the unofficial talks with the U.S. as a guest not as an official participant. There's no timetable for it yet, but I think it's going to happen in the next few weeks. And there have been other signs of hope already, Maziar says. The Biden administration has given diplomats more travel leeway in the United States. And the Iran Central Bank has reported that South Korea and Japan may release billions in Iranian funds that they've been holding. But it could only happen after talks with the U.S., The central bank said that Japan has offered Iran to use some of its money blocked in Japan to buy COVID vaccines. But now, Biden's launched airstrikes on Iranian targets in Syria, and a new deadline's coming up. Iran's presidential election is in June. What do you see your next week or so looking like when it comes to covering this topic? With this, you never know, really. This week, I've been working nonstop from morning till night. It hasn't been a day off, really. 
It all depends on whether and when Iran accepts the EU's offer for unofficial talks. I believe Iran and President Rouhani specifically would want this to progress faster because Iran's presidential elections in June. I think everybody would rather have this resolved with the people who actually signed the deal and the people who actually negotiated the deal. So I think the US and the Europeans also prefer to resolve this issue with Rouhani rather than the next president. So I think we will definitely have much more in the coming weeks. And Maziar's friend Nilifar is ready. If the sanctions are removed, that would hugely affect careers like mine. We hope that the value of our currency gets higher and the life expenses gets to a normal level. We need to have more peace in our life in Iran. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Amy Walters with Nagin Oliai, Dina Kisve, Ney Alvarez, Priyanka Tilve, Alexandra Locke, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Steve Lack mixed and edited this episode. Natalia Aldana is our engagement producer. And Stacey Samuel is our executive producer. If you like the episode, subscribe and let us know. We're at AJ the Take on Twitter and Instagram. We'll be back.